Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. Ace Podcast. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's program, we're talking why so many pop culture trailers came out this week and which ones we liked and didn't like. Star Wars goes Game of Thrones, what we think of Solo, and is Call of Duty going Black Ops once too often? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly thank you for being part of the program here today. And it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my main man, He's the man to myth the legend among all legends at Humanica Media. You got to check out all their great stuff today on YouTube, Podbean, and also as well, Apple Podcasts. It's Josh Peterson. What's going on, my friend? What up, what up, man? Hey, I just downloaded some Final Fantasy Pocket Edition on my phone. Got uh, just posted an interview with the uh, guy from Warhorse Studios about Kingdom Come Deliverance. So, been productive nights. Indeed, I know you were really excited about trying to get an interview for for that as well, so I'm glad it went extremely well, and I may be going ahead and playing it as bonus footage coming up this next week after it airs on all your traditional Humanica Media outlets, so stay tuned for that. But I know you've also been playing a great indie game as well, correct? Right. Uh, The game is called Celeste, and it's a platformer, kind of reminiscent of the games of yesteryear which you know are, are starting to make a comeback as we all know but the game is beautiful it's f- super frustrating but you know you eventually it's one of those ones where you you kind of got to jump the walls and figure out how to do these jumps to get to the next place uh it's very well done very good soundtrack super frustrating but once you get past those it, it is the most satisfying game in the world and i highly recommend it to anybody looking for you know something you could play through in a few hours definitely give it a try because it's a it's a very beautiful game and that seems to be the way the industry is trending towards with cuphead being a major release late last year that also has those same type of tendencies as far as being very frustrating but also being very rewarding once it's said and done but being also a very beautiful game as well so it definitely looks like those type of platformers are coming back strong and that challenge is the name of the game to try enhance that lengthy game time. It may be something from maybe, like you said, about two to four hours into something that might be a six to eight hour to even a 10 to 12 hour 
type format. So definitely uh, something to look forward to. It is Celeste. It is out everywhere. So for for all the major systems, correct if I'm not mistaken. So definitely uh, take a look at that as well if you get a chance. But for us here, it's going to be a great show indeed. We've got what do you know? Rob McCallum is going to be standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire, and it's not something I taped with him beforehand as far as a couple weeks back, a week back, or not even that long ago. This is something I taped after the birth of his child. He really wanted to come back on the air to talk about Solo, so definitely glad to have him as part of the program, fresh and, and off of the birth of his baby girl, so we truly welcome him back to the program. He's going to be coming up here in a bit. Also as well, from the voice from the underground, it is Tremaine Johnson. He's also going to be talking to us. He's going to be sharing his thoughts on a reported new Call of Duty for this year. And that is probably going to be, from what all reports are saying, a new Black Ops, which would be Black Ops 4. Is it too much Black Ops? We're going to talk about that when he comes on a little bit later in the program as well. Plus, Josh and I are going to be breaking down the latest movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe breakdown for us, and that is going to be Captain America, The Winter Soldier. And we're going to be talking about that later on, plus a whole lot more, including Star Wars Game of Thrones deal and all that. But Josh, a lot of trailers came out this week. I know Rob and I are going to talk about Solo, but I also want to hear your thoughts on that as well. Deadpool 2 came out this week, and also Thursday... Venom with Tom Hardy that also came out on top of all the Super Bowl trailers for Cloverfield, Jurassic Park, Infinity War, and so many others. What really stood out to you as far as the trailers and why are so many coming out all at the same time? Wait, trailers came out this week? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they kind of uh did. <laughs> I, it's just the time, man. It's like we're we're getting into yeah the, the the holidays are over, so you know the next movie season is going to be the summer you know the summer season that starts in May and that's well, that's a little over two months away, less than two months. Um, a little over two months, but the actual like you said, I think you touched upon it. The movie season really starts coming up very shortly with obviously Fifty Shades of Freed. Uh, well, for some people, that, that you know the way they're reviewing it, they're know, it's, it's one of those movies, man. It's got our hands tied. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's coming out, and then also as well, you've got next week with Black Panther, which we're going to go into detail on next week. We're going to go really, really heavily into that, and then also so many other movies are going to be starting to come out one after another, after another, after another. So. I guess that's probably the reason why a lot of the trailers are being showed now, because this is the last week. It's, think of it like the calm before the storm. Would that be a way you would phrase it? Yeah, I would say so. It, it's it's the right time to put something out, because there's a lot of stuff that I didn't even know was coming out this summer, but it's necessary. It's a good marketing strategy, and like all this, everyone, you know, with Solo, everyone's like, I don't think Disney has much confidence in it, but I think they're just waiting for, you know, the right time, because this seems to be the time and everybody drops their trailer, so I think there is a strategy there. But the movie does look good. I just want to put in my uh, my two cents here. I like the return to the streets of the Empire days. I was kind of iffy on, on it at first, but I watched it again. I really paid attention to it, and I really like the way that it's being portrayed as far as very gritty. 
And I really like the fact that, you know, it's like this ragtag group of con artists seem to be like pulling in their next scam, a major scam as far as it's concerned within the Star Wars universe. And I really like that aspect of it. I wasn't excited about it at first, but I am pretty excited. And I think the like the, the music in the trailer was really good and the cinematography looks really good. I like the, the dark look. And then seeing um, Donald Glover playing uh, Lando Calrissian was definitely something special. So the funny thing is like this movie is either going to it's going to wash the bad taste of The Last Jedi out of our mouths or it's going to make it worse. I want to talk to you now about what you saw in Deadpool 2. It was more of the same, but to me, it was really a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it as well. And it introduced us to Cable and exactly uh, what he's all about as far as his anger issues and his anger issues towards Deadpool himself. It was a trailer, but it, it wasn't a trailer. It's a typical Deadpool trailer, you know? And I love that they can never give enough away about the movie in those trailers because you get some of Deadpool talking and then you get footage from the actual movie splicing. So you don't know what's from the movie and what's just a, uh, a marketing ploy because they did that a lot in the movie too where they would cut to just him talking, sitting on a bridge, doing stuff. And that's why I love it because I know that I can go in and always see something in that, like in Deadpool that I didn't see in the trailers. And that's, that's a whole lot of fun to me. And as for like the relationship with Cable, it looks like now that they got the, the whole you know, I'm the, the Merc with a mouth type setup out of the way. We still get to have that type of Deadpool attitude, but we are, we're also getting it mixed into a somewhat serious story. And that's where like the true art of uh, storytelling for the uh, writer of this movie is going to come in. And I'm really excited to see how it plays out. Well, I'm also ex uh, very apprehensive in a way, because remember the original director is no longer uh, attached to this, this film. And when it was all expected after Deadpool did so well, as far as from a, both a critical and monetary standpoint, that he would obviously direct the next one. No, unfortunately, there were some creative differences. He was booted out of the way, a new director's in place. So when you're getting a fresh look at it, sometimes it works out for the best, but sometimes it also backfires. And when you have something that's a really hot property right now, like Deadpool, that may have been something that was not in their best interest, but we'll have to wait and see. But for at least for right now, Ryan Reynolds doing more Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool is it's still a lot of fun. It's still very entertaining. And, and it, even if it, like you said, showed a limited amount of actual footage compared to what a normal trailer would, I still, it just makes for an entertaining time when he's doing his shtick. And then there was the Venom trailer, which dropped on Thursday. And it was Tom Hardy. And it was still Tom Hardy. And it was even more Tom Hardy. But there was extremely little Venom to be found. So I want to hear your thoughts. Did you like this Tom Hardy trailer that accidentally had a couple of frames of Venom in it? It didn't really have any frames of Venom. It had like the symbiote that would eventually become Venom. But That's what I was talking about, yeah. Yeah, so man, it... I was expecting a lot more because Sony has hyped this up quite a bit. And I, from what I understand, it's going to be loosely tied to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I was expecting a lot more from it. I wanted to see the suit. I wanted to see more of the story. What we got instead was a lot of um, you know flashes of, of uh, Tom Hardy. We, we got him screaming. We got him walking. We got him running. 
we got some desk exploding and we got a brief look at the symbiote and a crashed spaceship it i've never seen a trailer that failed so bad to be a trailer i couldn't agree with you more on that it was really disappointing and I don't know how they're expecting to get fans in there unless they produce another trailer that's going to like bounce back. And we've seen films before in their setup when they're shown months in advance that they have a bad original trailer, but a better trailer on the, on the next time around that's, you know, regains that public interest in the film. Well, from what I understand, they just wrapped filming like a less than a month ago. So I, I'm imagining like the, the the symbiote suits and stuff. They haven't quite finished rendering yet, and you know they they focused really hard. They found like the smallest piece of uh, like special effects that they could do to add into the trailer. They focused it on that little tube and the little black thing wiggling inside of it. And I'm imagining that they just haven't finished all that, and they're really in a rush to get something out because this is the season to do it, and the movie's coming out in October. Um, yeah, I just I don't I think it was rushed and I don't think they were ready. I if they would have waited, the trailer could have been a lot cooler. But they're calling this a teaser. Uh, it really even failed to be a teaser. They could have just put out some pictures and I think people would have been just as okay with it. Or just something even abstract that isn't even relating to the movie that it, it's not even actual movie footage itself that could be something just like him in the costume or bubbling up or him becoming Venom in a totally different shot specifically for a teaser type trailer type deal you know what i'm talking about like they shot footage for the deadpool 2 trailer specifically for the deadpool 2 trailer as opposed to the entirety of it being all movie footage they could have done the same thing for for this and probably would have been much better suited than watching like you said two minutes of tom hardy which was kind of disappointing so like i said i have no interest or buzz right now in venom because i haven't seen anything to gain my interest if I wanted to see a Tom Hardy flick, I would have just, you know, gone back and watched one of the many Tom Hardy movies that are out there. But I don't know. Right now, it just doesn't seem very enthralling at this point in time. But Sony, you still got some time to turn me and a lot of other people around because my reaction is the same as a lot of others out there. What are your thoughts on the trailers that came out this week? The Jurassic Park, the Infinity War, also the Cloverfield. Hey, Cloverfield that came out on Netflix and that has done gangbusters despite the negative reviews that looks like it was a home run decision to put it onto the streaming service and all the other trailers that came out this week which do you think are really the ones that stood out to you as far as being really good and the ones that really didn't cut up to the mustard hey real quick I've been wanting to talk to somebody about this did you notice in the Infinity War trailer Iron Man has a robot hand. Yes, I noticed that. It's been talked about a lot here this past week. What are your thoughts on that? I think either something happened to him or this is one of the synthetics that he makes in the comic books. I'm leaning more towards the old uh, probably lost his hand doing something. But, uh, you know, we'll see, man. We'll see. We'll see indeed. Uh, definitely very interesting. It was only up there for a brief second or two, but definitely a lot of people caught it and a lot of people have been speculating on it. So the intrigue continues as far as Infinity War is concerned. But please share us your thoughts on the trailers this week. Which one you like best? Which ones you didn't? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. 
It's going to be a great show we have for you today. We've got Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. And later on, we've got Tremaine Johnson from the Voice from the Underground. He's coming up later in the broadcast as well. But first, we've got Elijah Harrison. We know him as Plasma Z. And this is Mango. And this is the PCC Multiverse. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. What is the Geekly Oddcast? It's a panel show of television. I mean, seriously, where else was I supposed to go and watch Gomez Adams ride a rocket ship on a railroad track? Gaming. And the dice say... 17. Oh my god, 17 is Mystic Quest. And whatever comes to mind. Why does Zod need a starship? Alternating Thursdays on The Geekly Oddcast.
back. I tell you what, it's just great to have you back listening to us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford with Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. And of course, it's that time again for another great edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. I was surprised to hear him say, Gerald, I want to keep on doing some more Cosmic Crossfires. I'm good. It's everything's okay. So he is here. He is the brand new daddy of RobMcCallumFilms.com. You got to check out all of his great stuff that's out there today, including the Kitty documentary coming up on March 30. You also got to check out Backed and Busted Crowdfunding. It's Rob McCallum. What's going on, my friend? And congratulations again on the birth of your baby daughter. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, Gerald, and thanks for the congratulations. Uh, Scarlett McCallum is now with us. It's been a... Uh... I don't know, nine months seems to, to go by really fast in some instances and, and really slow in others. She arrives a little ahead of schedule, but hey, she likes to make a grand entrance and she got here before a crazy snowstorm that hit our hometown. So that was really cool to look out from the delivery room and see like nothing but like Hoth. It looked like Hoth. You know, your Tauntaun would freeze before you got to the first marker and uh, Scarlett knew that. So she set us up for some success and got here just ahead of schedule and it's great. And yes... All new Cosmic Crossfire. Here we are talking about more things in the world of pop culture, everything that's relevant. And, and I agree with you. Check out RobMcCallumFilms.com to see all the awesome projects we got going on. Everything from our participation in Mutant Football League to the documentaries we make and all the collaborations we do with NBC Sports, Chicago White Sox, and whoever else is out there like the Pop Culture Cosmos and the Pop Culture Multiverse, which brings us to today. That's right, indeed. But yes, you are a happy man. Things are going very good for you. And again, I'm just so happy to hear about your healthy baby girl coming up. But Rob, we're here to talk pop culture. So pray tell, Rob, what's on your mind when it comes to pop culture? Well, we had a lot of news hit us uh, recently. And despite the birth of my daughter, and despite us staying an extra day or so in the hospital, let's talk about the film that never was, that now is, uh, Ham Solo, I mean Han Solo, Solo, a Star Wars story. Be uh, nice now. We got two trailers in two days after months and months of silence and about four months from its release. So we got the teaser trailer during the Super Bowl, a uh, 45 second quick look at what, what we can expect to see. And then on Monday, we were uh, treated to the, the full on uh, release of the trailer I've got lots of thoughts. Where did it hit you first? And was it the toilet bowl or, or was it the, the excitement pouch? I can tell you from two different vantage points because myself and, and my daughters who are really pop culture fanatics also got a, a chance to take to a look at it. And I, I, for me, I'm still excited for it. I, I thought it actually looked uh, somewhat intriguing. As you've said before, and I can still remember this because I used it as a promo, a very gritty look. Uh, similar to what Rogue One has that I that I really just enjoyed seeing it from uh, the Star Wars realm from a different perspective. I, I kind of like that outlook right there. So it was it was nice to see for me, and I, I'm I'm intrigued to see it and and see where Woody Harrelson's character as a mentor where that fits in and where this whole team up, which includes Donald Glover's Lando Calrissian, where it fits in, but. I'm kind of concerned, you know, because it might take away or might change the Star Wars lore because, he, as you and I both remember, Lando Calrissian, was it not the, the Millennium Falcon, not his? Or maybe they'll they'll allude to the fact that it was one of them that was going to win in this 
infamous card game as far as the one that Han Solo wins Millennium Falcon. I wonder how they're going to deal with that situation. Uh, you know, obviously as well with all the other stuff that we've known from Star Wars lore. So definitely looking forward to it. But my daughter, after watching it, took a second to think about it. And then she said to her, it doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie. So, and she, she's really just, well, just eats in and all the Star Wars and all the Marvel stuff that she really, truly enjoys and whatnot. But when she, uh, said that kind of took me aback rob so i don't know what way to ascertain it i know social media out there hasn't killed to really any large extent this movie as of yet obviously they're they're trying to focus on more on on the uh actor playing han solo's hair and whatnot trying to see if that matches up with with what was in the past but outside of that it you know it doesn't really seem like there there's a whole lot of people hating on it at this point in time yeah, I mean, those are interesting observations from yourself and, and your daughter. Uh, and social media is always looking at the left instead of the right. So it's, it's hard to really, you know, break down into those conversations of insignificance when we're still trying to get an idea of the big picture. Quit looking at the minutia before you understand the context. In other words, and trailers, for the most part, are always out of context. Uh, like the other Star Wars trailers, uh, they're doing a lot to, to kind of hide the bait in this one. You know, they're, they're, they're showing everything what people expect to see, Star Destroyers, heroes with guns, uh, androids and droids and, and gritty scenery. We have no sense of the plot. We have no sense of what's going on. Uh, we don't know when and where we meet our hero under what circumstances. It actually felt a lot like Rogue One in scope to me. Band of heroes getting together to do something, gritty uh, kind of atmosphere. And uh, unfortunately, because of my feelings about Rogue One, great film and everything, you know, sort of fits in the star wars universe not many repeat viewings i watched it once tried to watch it again and fell asleep instantly it's not a it's not a, a mark against the film it just doesn't hold my attention or in the excitement and i feel that that ham solo or whatever it's going to be called or solo a star wars story a spam story a solo cup there you go ham solo spam uh it just feel like spam solo i feel like uh i don't know it's, it's going to be there and then people are going to forget about it. I don't think there's going to be a repeat, repeatable viewing habit that gets formed from this film in the same way that Rogue One kind of fell into that, that scope, especially in terms of where it's going to be with box office. I know people went and saw Rogue One a couple times, and a lot of people saw The Force Awakens several times in the theater. Not a ton of people saw The Last Jedi uh, in the theater, and I think you know we, we might be hitting that. Not a point of saturation, but a point where... Uh, we're missing some cues that make these Star Wars stories really great and memorable uh, to the point that people can't stay away from them. I think, honestly, well, you go ahead and then we'll then we'll continue with my next thoughts. Go ahead. I, I think it will actually hit numbers comparable to the prequels as opposed to even Rogue One, which went over a billion dollars. I don't think it will reach that mark myself unless there's... Uh, you know, uh, something dramatic come out like it's a, a really, really great movie. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but especially with all the problems that they had as well, changing directors, whatnot. And uh, I just am, you know, I'm still hopeful. Ham Solo, as you call him, is my favorite Star Wars character. Uh, and I'm, I'm very so risky, so risky. And I'm very, very, very 
nervous about how they're going to portray his character because like i said he is my favorite character in the star wars universe and i'm just kind of nervous you know how's he going to be portrayed and and seeing if it actually can be pulled off i thought it was a way to go when they originally announced han solo i thought that was a good direction for the star wars universe to go in i i didn't have a problem with it but now that it's almost come to fruition and there actually is an end date when the movie is actually going to be shown to audiences I'm now a little bit nervous as far as how it's going to be portrayed. Careful what you wish for. Oh, yeah, sounds great. Make the movie. Don't make the movie. Full stop. Ah, Turn around. Go back. Go back. We don't want you. Stop it. We've seen too much. Get out. Come on. Pork chop sandwiches. I don't need you. The thing that everybody is talking about, and we, we alluded to it in other episodes, of course, is the acting ability of our titular hero here in the reports of acting coaches being brought on set and further reports about the script uh, being rewritten. And when Ron Howard comes in, changing some of the dialogue that was given to Han and being it basically sent to other characters to deliver it. So watering down the amount of uh, information and, and lines that are, that our hero has to say here, because there's a lot of concern about what this actor can do. And this trailer really doesn't showcase him all that much. You want to get people excited about a Han Solo trailer? Show me someone that's like Han Solo, and then I don't need any plot devices. And I don't need all the ancillary characters that you've shown here. You, you've shown me Donald Glover. You've shown me Woody Harrelson. You've shown me Chewbacca. You've shown me the, the requisite droid and falcon shots. I don't need all that if I see somebody that really makes me feel like I'm watching Han Solo. You know, To be honest, the person that looked the most and felt like the most Han Solo in the whole trailer, Woody Harrelson. Come on, kid. We're, we're getting the group of guys together. But that's because he's a quality actor and he can take the most throwaway lines, feel like an orchestral song that you can't turn away from. I'm, I'm still trying to keep an open mind and I'm hoping that Solo will work out. But the way that Lucasfilm has gone about trying to get this film to theaters, I still think a delay to Christmas probably would have been better. But, you know, that's that's what they want to do That's what they want to do. I think a, a delay would have been better suited for all parties concerned. Rob, as always, it's been a great pleasure having you on. Cannot congratulate enough with uh, your birth of your baby daughter and just so happy for you and the family. But again, as always, we just truly appreciate you being part of the Cosmic Crossfire. Pew, pew, crossfire! On March 30th, get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McGallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Pre-order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. Kitty Origins Evolutions drops March 30th, 2018. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. We truly appreciate you hanging around with us and and sticking around for some more great pop culture talk. Just want to let you know, 
we are on live streaming seven days a week with all the great radio stations that we're on on the internet. That includes Good Talk Radio, which we're on Sunday nights. You want to check out that on Live 365 starting at 10 p.m. Eastern. On Monday, it's Croc Radio at 8 p.m. Eastern. And the Podcast Radio Network, where we're number one on that network at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. Tuesday night, it's Western Reserve Digital Broadcasting, 8 p.m. Eastern. Wednesday, it is Gray Cloud Radio. I want to give a big welcome to Gray Cloud Radio. We're now part of their schedule. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Thursday, we're back on the Western Reserve Digital Broadcasting Network. That's 8 p.m. Eastern. Fridays, want to check us out on Croc Radio at 8 p.m. Eastern. Podcast Radio Network at 7 p.m. Eastern. 4 p.m. Pacific, Gray Cloud Radio, 6 p.m. Eastern, and then Western Reserve Digital Broadcasting again at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then on Saturdays, we top it all off with another round on Gray Cloud Radio at 6 p.m. Eastern time. But for us as well, you can download our shows at Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Player.fm, Tangibound Network, ESO Network, Gunna Geek Network, and a whole bunch more. But Josh, I know you got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. So what is going on with your stop known as Humanica Media? We have. uh, We just actually put out that interview for Kingdom Come Deliverance. Uh, Definitely check that out. There's a new topic. Ocalypse actually went up last night. And this one's talking about uh, musicians versus streaming services. And it's actually... You know, you go into detail about like why musicians like Garth Brooks, Taylor Swift, Tool, uh, Tom Yorker, Radiohead, why they're they go out of their way to avoid streaming services. And there's actually a lot of stuff I didn't even know, so that's cool. You know, we'll have a new Inside Sports up tomorrow and a new What About This on Monday. So there's a lot going on. And as always, you can catch the show on the podcast radio network every Tuesday nights. That's right, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network, where you can also catch the Pop Culture Cosmos Show and on Fridays, the PCC Multiverse. For all of our great show times, if you ever need to know where you can download our show, where you can live stream our show, just check it out on Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook or Twitter. And we'll, and it has that information right there for you on all the great stops for us at Pop Culture Cosmos and Humanica Media. So, Josh. Star Wars, it's going a big Game of Thrones on you. I know that's great news for you when you heard that the showrunners for the Game of Thrones, that's David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, they were actually given by Lucasfilm the authority to go ahead and start working on their own trilogy outside of Ryan Johnson's trilogy in the Star Wars universe. So I ask you, Josh, what does this big news by Disney, Lucasfilm, and the whole nine yards mean for the Star Wars universe. I'm actually really excited about this for you know one reason not related to Star Wars. One reason, that reason being that I'm glad that they're not going to be moving forward with that Civil War show on HBO they're going to do because I think that their talents are wasted in that arena. They're good at crafting stories that have you know relationships with people, and I think Star Wars is the perfect arena for them. And the cool thing about this is we're not going to get, we're, I think we're going to get a really gritty Star Wars. We're going to get something that has a lot of, uh, a lot of care, a lot of dynamics between characters, but we're going to have the, you know, the typical backstabbing storylines of Game of Thrones mixed in with the, you know, these big epic action scenes. And I honestly, like it could be 
what the Star Wars universe needs to stay alive. If they're working on a trilogy and Rian Johnson's doing his trilogy, I think we're going to see a really like drastic shift in tones between the two. But my question is like, you know, much like Rian Johnson's trilogy, where is this going to fit in in the overall narrative? And what's it going to be about? Like, I can see them taking on a property like the Knights of the Old Republic or the, the Jedi Order before the lightsabers were invented because those were more uh, closer to Game of Thrones. So they were using actual swords and, uh, you know, going, going to war with each other. So that could be something interesting. But I don't know. Where do you think in the timeline their, their movies are going to go? Do you think we're going to stop getting like the side stories and they're going to instead be alternating trilogies? You know, at this point, I think they're going to be doing all three. I think their goal is to provide a Star Wars movie every year. And in order to do that efficiently, and I think they're going to go the Call of Duty route. And I know Charmaine Johnson and I are going to be talking about that here in a sec. But when you do Call of Duty, as far as it's concerned, you got to remember when, when you have Call of Duty, you have three different studios bringing out theirs in successive years. So you got one studio working one year, one studio working the next, one studio, one studio working the next after that. I think in this case, that's what they want. They want Ryan Johnson's trilogy working one time. Then you have their trilogy working another time. And then on top of that, you could still have time for some great side stories like Obi-Wan and the, and, and the others that have been rumored out there. So I think it is a good decision as opposed to just two, just balancing off each other. If they keep it at three, I think that's for Star Wars fans, that's a bonus because you're going to see three different visions and, and you're not going to see the same vision just like every other year. You just it's, it's going to be like a different vision every year, and and it's going to seem fresh every time it comes around. Do you think that the excitement for one trilogy is going to overshadow the excitement for the other, though? I think that will happen. I, I don't think it will be necessarily on the side stories. I think the side stories will always be thought of as the little cousin of this whole entire thing, if it's not a direct lineage Star Wars movie, a direct canon Star Wars movie per se. But when you're talking about the two trilogies that we're now talking about that are in development, you got to remember Ryan Johnson may have the jump already, so his will most likely come out first. The Game of Thrones guys may at best may come out a year later after that. So we're still talking about 2021, maybe at the earliest when all this gets really started. But I will say this, yeah, it depends on the quality of the films. If people have a tendency to like the Game of Thrones ones better than Ryan Johnson's or vice versa, they're going to probably gravitate more to those unless they can figure out a way to balance each other out in some form or fashion. At this point, I'm much more excited about the Game of Thrones writers taking on a Star Wars trilogy than I am Ryan Johnson. I I don't know, man. I just I still have a bad taste in my mouth from Last Jedi. Maybe I do need to watch it again, but... Uh, I'm more looking for something new to reinvigorate my interest in Star Wars because I'm starting to feel the burnout right now. And that's a shame because Solo's coming around and I still have high hopes for that. I think that will feel a lot of the Star Wars The Last Jedi backlash. Even if it is a good movie, I still think it will be hurt at the box office because of it. I hope it does surprise me and I hope it does surprise everyone by being a good film, especially after all the problems that it has. But getting back to to what you're talking about. I know a lot of other people are excited as well with the Game of Thrones showrunners actually creating their own part of the Star Wars universe because I definitely think that's 
that's going to be a great sign. I think they really know how to craft and tell stories. Obviously, they they did when HBO gave them a chance for several seasons now with the Game of Thrones. And I know a lot of people are upset that they're going to be going away come April 2019 and when the final season starts. So I, I agree with you. I believe that the showrunners for the Game of Thrones, they've got the leg up on Ryan Johnson at this point in time, especially after Last Jedi Backlash. But it all depends on what we see on screen. But I'm still jazzed for a future that includes all three stories, whether it be Ryan Johnson's, the Game of Thrones showrunners, and the offshoot stories like Obi-Wan and whatnot that you're still willing to tell in the Star Wars universe. Because the Star Wars films, bad or good, still are an escape for me and, and still take me to a place in the galaxy far, far away. What are your thoughts on the Game of Thrones showrunners joining forces with Lucasfilm to create a new Star Wars trilogy? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Humanica Media, Game Source, and Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and Twitter as well. Coming up next, we've got Tremaine Johnson from Voice from the Underground. He's coming up right after the break to talk Call of Duty Black Ops 4, plus a whole lot more on his upcoming new podcast himself. And then when we come back after that, Josh and I are going to be talking Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and whether or not we think it's the best movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back again. This is the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We thank you so much for sticking around and hanging with us right here on the show. It's time to talk some video games. Well, news came up this week from Eurogamer that the next Call of Duty, which, you know, has got to come out like clockwork every single year, the first week of November, it's always got to happen. The next installment of the Black Ops series, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, is the widely reported title coming out in the first week of November. And who better to talk video games with me <laughs> than a good man right here, a man who I've been on his show before, plus he's got another one coming. It's Tremaine Johnson from Voice oh, from the Underground man. and his new show. How are you doing today, TJ? You know what, man? I am living the dream. I'm trying not to wake up. I am trying. I don't know whose dream I'm living. I'm still trying to figure <laughs> that out, but I'm living somebody's dream right now. Oh, that, that's awesome to hear, my friend. It's, it's great to have you here to talk Call of Duty and also your great stuff as well. Voice from the Underground, the show that he's on with two other great guys that I've been on the show myself before. 
you got to check it out on Apple Podcasts and also many other great outlets. I believe Spreaker, yep. iHeart Music, and a whole yep. ton of others, correct? Oh, yeah. We're all over the Google Play, Apple. We're, we're all over the joint. Any place you can get a podcast, wherever you consume your podcast, you will find a voice from the underground. Definitely. And these guys talk a lot of great stuff, pop culture stuff, but they also talk political. They, they go into a lot of different items and tones and subjects and, and stuff that people really are interested in and are talking about. So when you get a chance, definitely check out their great show. He's got a great show coming along the way. I'm going to let him go ahead and talk a little bit more about that in at the end of our segment. But first... TJ, I want to ask you, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, it's mm -hmm. widely reported, like I said, from Eurogamer that it, that's going to be the next installment. Call of Duty Black Ops, the original that came out in 2010, is the largest selling Call of Duty game of all time. Last year's installment, World War II, actually has started back the upswing in Call of Duty sales it edged up slightly over the previous installment, which actually was one of the series lows in Infinite Warfare. So I ask you, TJ, are you okay with continuing the Black Ops series? After three iterations already, do you, do you still think there's a need to go ahead and, and go down that Black Ops realm? You know, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. There are not many things that have come in threes that have been absolute knockout the parts. You look at the, the Mass Effect series. Mass Effect 1 was this revolutionary idea. Mass Effect 2 completely took Mass Effect 1 and reimagined it, reinvented it, and made it something that, to me, to this day, still I still play Mass Effect 2. So saying that to say, most things stop being good at three. And it's at the third one that they stop being good. So saying that to say... I'm not 100% sold on needing another Call of Duty Black Ops. I kind of feel that with the last Call of Duty, we've shown that, you know, we, we started Call of Duty in World War II, right? And then we eventually decided to go off into modern warfare and then advanced warfare and then even more advanced warfare and infinite warfare. We kind of got a little bit away. And when I say we, I'm talking about the, the Call of Duty community. You know, we kind of got away from playing what the roots of the game were. And I think this return to Call of Duty, this last one, was such a return of, to grace and such a return of form. And it showed in the sales. I mean, this one, you know, as we kind of talked about a little bit off the air before we got on, this one had a slight uptick in last year's version. So say that say we've shown that we're interested if, in a game that's done correctly. You know, you keep playing the same old thing over and over and over again. Nobody's going to be interested after a while. Now we're starting to show that we're interested in the World War II I don't necessarily think that Black Ops 4 is absolutely necessary. And I think we're a little bit, I think we're a little saturated at this point. Well, I will say this, 2007's Modern Warfare Call of Duty 4 was a great step in the right direction for Activision. And at that time, it was very much needed. And it is probably my favorite and I think the overall best in the series. Call of Duty Black Ops seem to me at, like in many ways and, and like what a lot of people are saying is that well that was the actual plateau the tipping point and not just in sales but actually as far as the series for a lot of casual gamers because at that point they were still okay with that series the way it was in sort of that modern times format but after that you saw just repeated year after year and actually trying to go into the future with infinite warfare and it just the series got a little bit tired to a lot of people it got a little bit old but like you said with world war ii they rebounded and started getting that momentum again that they've so desperately at activision have tried to recapture with the call of duty series if you were working at treyarch and you know and, and telling activision 
This is what we're going to do for 2018. This is what we're going to do to try and outsell and outpace Red Dead Redemption 2, which comes a week before. What are we going to do as far as a game in the Call of Duty series that's really going to knock it out of the park? Oh, well, first of all, we're saying overtake Red Dead Redemption, trying to overtake the monster that is Rockstar. I don't think any publisher has figured out a way to do that. And if they have, I think they would have done so already. And I agree with you on that, but I'm just saying Activision doesn't want to hear the realities of that sometimes. (laughs) Of course not. You know, Bobby Kotek over the years has really just sit on his high chair at various (laughs) points of time. And, you know, he's thought very well of himself and the company. And to his credit, he has made, along with Activision Blizzard, made a lot of right moves and for a lot of right reasons. So I'm not going to give them too much of a... Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I got I got to give them props on that. But you're going in there. Your mindset uh-huh. is you're going to try and wow Activision with a proposal for 2018. Where would you take the Call of Duty series instead of rehashing the Black Ops series one more time? Goodness gracious, that one is going to be tough because you know we can we we talk about World War II already. We know how pivotal of a war that turned out to be for many aspects. We could always go back to, to World War One, kind of the way Battlefield had went with their Battlefield series. You know, that's a great question. I think we might have to take it back to the Stone Age. If we could start using like dinosaurs and bows and arrows with a couple uh, machetes and things like that for, for good measure, a little Far Cry-ish, but not quite Far Cry, I think that might be the best way. But truthfully, they just, if, if they can kind of find this window of time you know, right now we're in like a little bit of a lull for games, right? Everybody's not really, we're getting ready for, for E3. Everybody's kind of building up towards E3. We just kind of finished our holiday season as far as our games are concerned. The Assassin's Creed are done. So the, the November releases that kind of trickle into Christmas and trickle right after Christmas are done. And so we're at this lull. And I think that a lot of developers miss this particular window of time to really put something out there because... There's nobody else that's doing it. Everybody else is kind of in a lull. Everybody else is kind of getting ready for E3 and, you know, talking about games that aren't going to come out for another two years. I'm looking at you, Spider-Man. We could be at a position now <laughs> where if you said, hey, let's put something out right now to, that, that surprises people. If you look at what happened at the Super Bowl and they brought and they dropped the Cloverfield trailer and they said, guess what? This is going to be on Netflix starting tonight. It was a terrible movie. I'm going to be very clear. It was bad. But it has such a following off the simple fact that, oh my God, Netflix has and they have it right now. That's the right way to do something. Surprise us and give us something at a different time frame so we're not saturated because now as a, as a gamer, we talked about it coming out November 1st. You're going to have Rockstar coming out with Red Dead Redemption 2. You're going to have Treyarch coming out with another Call of Duty right around the same time. I think that it, it becomes too saturated. If they could just find a different time slot to fill in, I think that that speaks more volume to what we would play because if you think about it there's nothing else we're playing right now i mean granted we have your overwatches you have your uh your player unknown battlegrounds those are going to be games that people who have already flocked to are going to continue to flock to that's not going to stop but saying that there's not another big triple a release title coming out for another you know a little bit of time although you've got some stuff coming on playstation uh this week with the shadow of the colossus not a triple a title but uh, you know a nice little remake it's a little bit of a lull at this time for you so if we can come out with something a little bit earlier at a time slot that's not as saturated, that will be the biggest thing I will push uh, for another Call of Duty game. People are going to buy Call of Duty, let's be clear, but you might get a bigger sales boost if you just kind of pick a different time frame. I don't know if it's just your ego that wants to say, we're going to outsell Rockstar, we're going to do all this or all that. I'd rather just say, "Let's, let's, let's go for the sales instead of going for the ego. Great thoughts, again, right here with Charmaine Johnson, 
from <laughs> Voice from the Underground. He is truly a great part of that show. You got to check it out again on Spreaker, iHeart Music, and also as well, Apple Podcasts. You got to subscribe and download their shows today. But you have got another great podcast that you're working on. So what is this great new show you're, you're about ready to launch? And, and why do people need to listen to it and make it part of their listening habits? First and foremost, uh, you give me a whole lot of credit, man. Those guys on Voice from the Underground just make me look good. I'm really not... <laughs> I can like to I'd like to try to pretend like I be knowing what I'm talking about. I'm a I'm a huge gamer. You know, obviously, you know, you and I talked a little bit right before we got on the air and gaming has been such an integral part of who I am for such a long time. I'm talking about, you know, back to Super Mario Brothers the original. I'm talking back to Atari 2600, Commodore 64. I've I've been gaming for as long. It's been such an integral part of who I am for so long and I've had this this opportunity as of late to to really as reach out and connect with people and and have a conversation and talk about some of the things that you know I enjoy and when you do that you start making these connections right you start the whole point of us doing this the whole point of you doing this podcast is you're out, you're connecting the whole point of us doing this podcast is we're making connections I'm gonna do a little gaming podcast where I'm not I'm not quite pop culture cosmos good yet I'm gonna get there but I'm gonna work my way to that to that to that stage that you guys are on and do a little bit of gaming, a little pop culture myself. And hopefully one day I might be able to say that I'm close to being as good as pop culture cosmos. I don't I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't think it is. But I'm well, I'm blushing. I'm blushing as, as you're saying this, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate the compliments that you just gave us. And you definitely have what it takes as far as the knowledge, the background, and also the love of gaming to go ahead yes. and provide an audience with a, definitely a great podcast that they have to listen to. What kind of information can you tell people about? Where can they get this great podcast? So this great podcast is going to still be a voice from the underground production. So let's be very clear. I'm not I'm not done by any stretch of the imagination with Voice from the Underground. Those guys are stuck with me. I'm like a bad cold. You're not. You're just not gonna get rid of me. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sticking around <laughs> for the long call. We're gonna look to get this thing off in the next couple of weeks. So you haven't missed anything yet. You still got plenty of time to be there for the first episode. The name of this podcast is gonna be Gaming Thrones, and you know, being able to connect with somebody that I don't know. I don't see you. You know, we're not here together in this particular time and space, but we're we're sharing this moment. And I think that ultimately is what we as podcasters, we as human beings are looking to do. And I'm just, I'm, I'm excited to start that journey with everybody. Well, that's awesome to hear. Once again, that's Gaming Thrones, correct? Gaming Thrones. You got it, man. Gaming Thrones. Gaming. It's going to be a sick logo, too. There you go. There you go. <laughs> got to check out their stuff. Voice from the Underground and also Gaming Thrones when that comes yes. out here in a couple of weeks. Charmaine, it's just been a pleasure having you on the show. You're always welcome back on the show, uh, but I wish you the best of luck. And if there's anything that we at Pop Culture Cosmos can do to help you out, just let us know. We're, we'll be glad to do it. Man, don't don't be inviting me back now. You know, you feed a cat one time, he keeps coming back now. Don't you don't you give me this open invitation? I might take you up on it. Definitely would love to have you back aboard to chat more about video games if you got the time. But first, you got to get that great show off, yes. off the ground, and I definitely <laughs> want to hear it. I definitely want to make sure that everybody gets the chance to hear it as well. TJ, I just wish you the best of luck again and uh, all the best to you, Jason, and everybody that works on the show and just all the best to you guys and your new show that's coming up real soon. Thank you much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me and allowing me to get my geek on a couple times, man. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a blast. That's <laughs> what we're here for right here <laughs> at the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, Head on over to our brand new site, 
www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCT Multiverse. We truly thank you for sticking around and hanging with us right here on the show. Well, we just want to thank Tremaine Johnson from The Voice from the Underground for being on today's show. Also as well, my good friend Rob McCallum for also being a part of today's broadcast. Josh, in our continuing series on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we're up to Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I've got an article that I wrote, like I've said before, on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com with my list of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and where I think each one stands as far as rating it from high to low and whatnot. I will say this. I'll, I'll put in some spoilers. I put The Winter Soldier at the top of my list. I believe it is the best of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has had to offer. I haven't seen Black Panther as of yet. But as of this recording, I believe it is the best of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Your thoughts on what you think about the movie and why you think it's either good or bad. And I'll share my thoughts on the movie as well after you're done. Oh, man. We're actually going to be agreeing on something for once. Well, what do you know about that? Jeez, yeah. No, I love the movie. It's a completely different... I don't know, spin, I guess, which is weird because the Russo brothers, you know, now they're, they're tackling infinity war. So I'm, I want to see like how, well, you know, they, they did what well, they did uh civil war also, if I'm not mistaken, but yes. it didn't feel as much like a, like a superhero movie as it did like a uh, hunt for red October or one of those old, uh, one of, you know, the spy movies from the nineties. It was cool. It was, that's all I can think to describe is really cool. The Civil War was, eh, it was okay. Not my favorite Marvel movie, but I'm hoping that with all like the the fantastic uh, universe shaping madness of Infinity War, that they're gonna be able to bring that sort of like dark, gritty tone, whatever, to the Avengers, and you know, still be able to tackle all the storylines going on, but keep it, make it feel more grounded, like the Winter Soldier did. And also, you know, big thing with Winter Soldier, love Sebastian Stan. I think that he absolutely owns that part. I believe so as well. I think he's done a very, very solid job trying to deal with the anguish of being that individual who was forced into becoming the Winter Soldier. I just think, like you said, it is a great mix of superhero and spy thriller action movies. And uh, I definitely thought it really clicked on all cylinders. I really think that it did an outstanding job of fleshing out not only the feelings and thoughts of Steve Rogers, but also as well, it fleshed out a lot of Black Widow's backstory, the backdrop of the battle between Hydra and also as well S.H.I.E.L.D. and how Hydra had infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. I think that really just just put the, the cap on it. And the fact is, I still think until I see Michael B. Jordan's performance, which is now being rated as the best in the MCU, I still think that Robert Redford's performance as the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the best bad guy performance in the entire MCU. And I think that's really a capper to this great film. And it shows to me why Robert Redford is truly a, a great actor and, and just you know almost was forgotten about as a legend in this industry. And then he does something like that and comes out of left field and pulls something like that off. 
and does an absolutely incredible job of, you know, as far as being a Hydra agent in the realm of S.H.I.E.L.D. is concerned. So definitely just on all cylinders, this movie hit. So like you said, Sebastian Stan, Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Anthony Mackie, Robert Redford, and Frank Grillo. You know, they all hit on all cylinders. They just did an outstanding job of fleshing out all those characters, fleshing out a nice backstory, and, and putting in a twist that really kept you interested and intrigued throughout the entire film. So what are your thoughts on Captain America the Winter Soldier? Do you feel like we are, that it's the best in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Or do you think it doesn't stand up quite to the test of some of the other movies in that same realm? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Humanicomedia, GameSource, and PopCultureCosmos on Facebook and Twitter as well. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to another episode of Back to Busted. I'm your host, Rob McCallum, a.k.a. Rob McZob, and today we are looking at a comics project on Kickstarter called Life of the Party, Roll for Initiative. Let's jump over there and take a look. So here we are on Kickstarter, and like I said, we are looking at Life of the Party, Roll for Initiative. The quest continues with a dose of humor and some of your best RPG and geek moments from your party's gaming table. Uh, and I know this is a comics project, mainly because it says so down here. It is also a project that Kickstarter loves, which is how it came to my attention when I started doing a searching and exploring uh, kind of search to see what was up there. As you can see up here, you can hit explore and find out all a bunch of different things that might appeal to you. Uh, that's how this came up. Now, that said, uh, despite their success of 61,000 raised, and you can see they basically went for 50,000 um, American or they, they basically went for 7,000 Americans, sorry, and they're almost at 50,000. Despite that success, let's see if we can find a bunch of issues with the campaign or what they could have done better, or really point out what they've done incredibly well. Uh, first thing I would say is that based on the title and this uh, thumbnail, I have no idea that this is actually a comic project. The only thing that tells me is a super small fine print down here. So uh, Life of the Party, Roll for Initiative, the comic or something like that, or... A comic project or the quest continues in this uh, second edition of, of the comic so you can see down here roll for initiative volume two so I'd probably put volume two up here or something along that effect uh, let's take a look at, at the pitch video and see what we can learn from that
All right, so there we have the pitch video for Life of the Party, Roll for the Initiative. It's created by Travis Hansen. We saw his name pop up here. Uh, and let's just step through the video to see what works and what doesn't work. Definitely uh, some things to point out. So I really like the big opening with the uh, you know edge to edge frame illustration. That's awesome. It pulls me in right away, and I thought, wow, I'm I'm in uh, I'm in store for something really special. I'm going to get pulled into this universe. And then as the video went on, we get more and more title cards and less and less detailed artwork. A lot of stuff on white and more and more title cards that didn't have a, a, a theme. Like all the title cards were different. We got stuff that was white text on black. And then we got white text on blue. Uh, we also got some weird ones on like beige. And we also got green. So that was really strange to see all that. And maybe that ties into the book, but I don't know that based on the video. So great opening for sure. Uh, there's no voiceover or anything to pull me through. That would have been easy even if Travis did it himself or went to fiverr.com or voices.com and hired somebody. I also think the video is a little out of order. I do like the fact that we're, you know, understanding a little bit about the book up front, but I probably would have cut that section down a little bit. And if I can find it. So this is almost like where the campaign starts. The campaign pitch video starts anew again because we get this nice title screen. And then we get to know a little bit more about what the project is. This stuff is so important to have up front uh, and to work in, you know, the details of the project. So there's there's the two halves, right? Like he's trying to tell us uh, about the book itself and then about why the campaign is important. And I think he gets the order wrong and he, he should have mixed them around a bit. It's, it's just very clunky. And then because stylistically... Uh, we're getting a bunch of stuff across the board. I tune out really quick and, and often and because the, the music, while it is epic and RPG-like and very questy and adventure, uh, it's just too slow. It loses me. I love the, the number of art assets that are in here. It's just, uh, I don't know, it's not a lot. And then we get this logo at the end, which doesn't feel like it has anything to do with any of the artwork that we've seen. So I don't give a lot of top marks for this video, like maybe 5 out of 10 kind of deal because the art that's in there is good. I just think the structure is horrible. And even if the art wasn't good, uh, better structured uh, film, if you would say, or pitch video uh, would have helped it significantly. So let's go through the campaign. Uh, adventures are meant to be remembered, especially when all you can ever roll is a one. So we see this image again. So if we refresh this page quickly, we see this selfie image up here. Um, I would have probably led with something else just so it's not the same art over and over again. So like, show me something new that pulls me down through the page. It's just kind of lazy when there is this much art to kind of go through uh, that it is the the same image over and over again. Uh, since the successful publication of the first book, Life of the Party has continued to grow in scope and popularity. I, I love to game and I love cartooning. It turns out they make a perfect combination. The great thing about Daily Webcomic is there's plenty of new material and we now have enough for volume two in the series. So let the campaign begin. So this is great. He tells us what the thing is. It's a Daily Webcomic. He, he says who he is and what it's made out of gaming. Um, and basically, he the first one went really well. So... Yeah, he wants to continue his love for gaming, cartooning, and put it together. Uh, I believe the Kickstarters need to be fun, clean, and unpredictable. That's why we turned ours into a game. The more levels we unlock, the more monsters we defeat, and the better the goodies and adventures that can bring. So let's start with the bare bones, the book. So he's turned this into this Kickstarter. is a little bit like uh, the content that he's parroting. So I love this art image, but it's 
it's it takes a lot to to kind of look at so let's try to understand because it's a little busy so the kickstarter quest create a second book in life series eight by five and a half 90 pages of color comics again this is maybe a little too small what will it take to print the book seven thousand gold pieces or us dollars this covers printing shipping extras and kickstarter fees so that's good and it's good that it's a nice and big bold letters I, a lot of it's being obscured but i do love that graphic overall Start as a 90-page softcover book with UV spot cover. This means there's a gloss overlay to help cover stand out. The basic uh, book will feature comic book pages that have already been posted online, including the cameo cartoons from the last Kickstarter, plus all sorts of little goodies. Once we hit the goal and begin to level up, I'll look at upgrading the cover as well as page count. Uh, to print 2,000 books and ship a huge portion of them out, my blacksmith and gnomes will need about 7,000 gold pieces. So this is good. I really like that he's using the humor of it in here, but they also take US dollars. This will cover production costs. So he's... And this is something I always kind of pay attention to, right? To print 2,000 books. So that's his goal. He wants to print 2,000 books with the most of them going out, maybe a few held back for inventory. It's going to cost 7,000 gold pieces. So that's good there. Here's a few comics that will be in the book. So we see these one-off one-shots, which is nice. Uh, your character sheet. So this is super busy. Uh yeah, life of the party, character progress, class, weapon. I mean, this is cool, and again, it's a nice parody. You can see it, but it's just really hard to read, as, as I'm sure you guys can tell uh, just watching the video. 120 pages, uh, hard hardcover, book for all, physical rewards, UV spot enabled. So I think this is current level rewards available. When a level is beaten, the rewards will become available. So I think because we're coming late in the campaign and we have... 10 days to go as it says here we have over a thousand backers some of this has been unlocked on our behalf so it would have been interesting to see what this would have looked like early on if i'm interpreting this right pdf upgrades now for backers at pledge level 55 or higher five by seven news victories as we beat more levels this sheet marks our progress so yeah so these are different things that have been created so okay Backers at 250 or high will automatically get one off of each of these things. Adding on extra books, book one, and other goodies. So, And then it tells you to look up here to figure that out. So that's a little backwards. Leveling up. The stretch goal is once we hit the original goal, the dungeon crawl truly begins. Hidden within the corridors lie monsters and treasures waiting to be found. To defeat the monster and level up so we can open the next door, we need to hit the stretch goal. So I do, again, like how they're making the campaign uh, as much of an adventure as... The story and content itself leveling up the new dungeon so basically they keep uh adjusting what we get to see here as the uh campaign progresses so level one 12,000, the rodent defeated uh dark widow destroyed seventeen thousand. so kissing to see we have a comma here don't have a comma here it's such a minor thing but it's like let's just be consistent and again twelve thousand is in a different it's not in yellow like that consistency that's all i'm asking for Level four, uh, 25,000. And because we're starting to get, you know, uh, font overlay, probably just LVL four would have been fine. That's cool. Level five, destroyed. So it's it's great. The book is now hardcover. So that actually costs people more money. So level six, 35,000. The bull is down. Level seven, 39.5. A vampire defeated. And, and all these things um, basically keep transforming it, which is nice. So these are just your classic stretch goals. But they've been done in a way uh, where the art is very uh, well done. But it takes a little bit to kind of read through and digest right away. So all, all, all I care at this point of the campaign is a potentially new backer as I'm coming in. It's like, okay, where are we? 
Okay, level eight, we've got it. Is there anything else that we haven't got? Okay, so we haven't got level nine. So reaching the stretch goal defeats the monsters and opens the door to level 10. Revenge of the Bones, the door is always open and Skeletor kicks its way towards you. It's massive gold blade run. All backers, new book upgrade, beautiful ribbon page marker sewn into the book. Uh, pint glass is another option and they're add-ons, so. And here's some looks at those pint glasses. Uh, level 10. It doesn't, does it say what it is with Creature Full of More Dread where you find more of the treasure? Yeah, so it doesn't really say what, what it, it's going to be or the amount that we have to hit. So this, we have to hit 52,000, and we are at, American that is, and we are at 49,258. So they're definitely going to hit that um, with the way that this campaign is going and and where it should end up. So it's it, you basically get to keep coming back and seeing where it goes, which is a fun way to check in on the campaign and, and keeps it fresh. Because sometimes I'll back a campaign, not check on it until maybe the last day uh, when it's funded and kind of look back and see how, how it's gone. But then there are other campaigns where I, I do kind of follow it day to day just to see how it's going. And some of those have been featured on Backed or Busted. So uh, treasures. So this is basically just breaking down the rewards, which we'll get into. Here's the art version of that. Again, some of it's really busy, and there's a lot of art. Uh, let me just say that I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and kind of look at it. So share the fun. Honestly, it's no fun gaming by yourself. So grab some friends, dice, blah blah. blah part, bigger party, more fun. Invite people to join. Who is Trav? So this is a little bit about who he is. Um, I would have maybe liked this up front a little bit, so I could have known uh, a little bit about the creator, but. There, because I'm a little bit seasoned to Kickstarter, I know there are other ways to find that out. But for people that don't know, it would have been nice to see it up front. Risks and challenges. Risks and challenges with every project. Eight successful, one failed. Come to realize that you, you can hope for everything to run smooth, but it's not always uh, the case. Sometimes things happen. For, for instance, shipping can be laid. The boat could sink. You can miss the email with a survey from Backerkit or Kickstarter. This happens a lot. The computer with all the files could explode a variety of reasons. Though I cannot predict all things that could happen, I know that the most important thing is to keep communication open with my backers. Those who have backed my previous projects know this to be true. You will find I am easy to contact. Another issue we're having a little bit uh, of that one with the last one is people answering the back questionnaire and making sure they are using an accurate credit card as well as putting in proper address information. If a reward gets shipped uh, back to us because you put in the wrong address, then we will ask you to help cover the shipping to resend it. My goal is to make this project run as smoothly as possible. If there's a bump, which happens from time to time, I will let you know about it. I won't keep you in the dark. My goal is to run projects clean, smooth, and very open. Thank you for your support, Trav. Okay, so that makes sense. Um, I do like that he cited some stuff there and he kind of, you know, was open and honest, but like, look, you know, be on your toes about the, 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 the backer kit fulfillment service, uh, when we send surveys and that your, your credit card is up to date. It's not on us. Uh, if it gets shipped back to us and you'll have to cover shipping. So that's good. But I would have put such things under the frequently asked questions. We can see that there are two and I'm just scrolling up here just to show you how much art is here and it's not that the art is bad or that it's it is too much and it could be kind of displayed a little bit different um it's that it's really uh challenging and draining to going from reading the art to text so as i go from this stuff here and then i have to switch gears and kind of get in the flow of this and then i have to go back to this and then i have to go to these it's uh it, it just slows me down and it just and if i'm in a hurry or i, I want to get excited it, it delays the excitement i guess so yeah that's something i would caution against all right let's look at the rewards and see if we can make sense of that pledge us uh ten dollars us or more 
NPC, we're glad you came to the party. This includes one digital copy of the book. So 10 bucks, you get the book. Great. Uh, 22 bucks, uh, loot from a random monster. You'll be heavily laden with a European swallow. It includes a physical copy of the book, signed by Trav. Also includes a digital copy of the book in PDF. So you get a uh, digital version and you get a physical version. So that is cool. And that's $22. I have no idea about shipping. Um, just says ships to anywhere in the world. So if I were to select it, um, let's see. 15 bucks uh, to Canada. So that's $37. So, I mean, I, you can't fault the guy because it's not, um, he's not selecting uh, where you're from, but um, let's see where it is to the U.S. Just by comparison. United States. There is no shipping to the United States. It's free in there, it looks like. So that's uh, good. At least, at least that's the way that that's coming up. It could be uh, an issue with how my Kickstarter account is now set up now that I'm located in Canada, but I don't think that's the case. Uh, a couple of gems. So basically, it looks like extra books, plus uh, you get PDF, physical, and uh, sketch by Trav. So that's really cool. That's a good one. Um, most people so far, almost 400 are taking just the book, but for an extra 13 bucks, you get a, a sketch by Trav. So if you really like this, that's a really great way of doing it. And uh, you will... So you take the time to look in the corner. A couple of gems have rolled it, have rolled there. You exchange them for a sketch by Trav on the inside cover of your book. So it doesn't say how big it is. It's just that it's there. And he's got some work to do, 141 uh, little sketches he's got to do. But since he's got to sign everything, maybe it's not that big of a deal. Uh, 55 bucks. Again, the books, the sketch, uh, and character sheets and maps. You, the, I, I guess that plays into everything here in the book so it's a little outside my realm for me to understand so the next 175 it just keeps adding on so you get six unique bookmarks and five by seven comic print from the book signed which is nice uh, 115 you get all that stuff and you get a six by nine copic original custom character illustration so that's cool 175 so we go from 115 to go 75 115 175 boots of speed so you get all that stuff plus an original copic page from the book so that's cool and there's 11 backers on that and they're limited to 200 because he's looking at 200 pages as we read above the book of armaments uh original page from the book which is interesting uh there's no limit on that and that there should be a limit on that because if all 200 go here then how is he going to have enough of these 12 backers here this should be limited, and this should be limited too, but you can go in and adjust those limits as long as the campaign is live at any time. Um, you get two sketches by Trav. You get two uh, physical books. You get six unique bookmarks, 5 by 7 comic print from the book, original copic page, uh, copic page, and uh, 11 by 14 original illustration. Your adventuring party. That's neat. Um, pledge you as three, 350 or more. Your character in an upcoming life of the party. So that's cool. You get to basically be in it for 350 plus everything else, uh, 500. How does it get better than that? Um, you get a 13 by 9 original illustration. So um, what's different here is uh, you get the adventuring party here for 11 by 14, and then the big thing is that you get to be in it. And so the way that this is organized, it's like your character gets to be in it, but in here, this is where you're kind of thrown in. So it d between the 500 and the 350, it doesn't look like there's a lot different. And again, it's really hard to kind of read through some of this to kind of get that because it's written in the style of uh, the, the comic, at least the first half is. Uh, and it's so much easier just to graze with these bullets. So the more that these bullet points are laid out, the better. So and he decided to do an early bird, 150. Uh, you're the first one to the cash and you uh, spy a portion of luck. 
quaffing it changes your book uh and now has a sketch by Trav on the inside cover so uh for 30 bucks what is he charging for the other one i think it's 41 or 30 35 so yeah how many rewards does he have because it feels like a lot so we got one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven so he had eleven plus an early bird one so i'd get rid of the early bird one right away it's not needed and I would add a dollar one uh, just for kicks and maybe uh, just clarify some of those later ones because I'm not really seeing the difference. It's getting They're getting stacked so much that it's almost too good to be true. And I would say overall these rewards are done very well. Um, they're done very well where they keep just adding and adding and it's clear that you're just getting the next thing for X number of dollars. You can do the math quickly and simply in your head. And it, and it makes, you know, cash money. It's a cash logic in, in your head. So for, for me to go from 35 to 55, I know that I'm getting everything that I got from above, but I'm getting character sheets and maps, a PDF. So it's a digital thing. So is it worth the 20 bucks? It's easy for me to make that call right away. And if I want to look at those character sheets and maps, because they've done the work over here, and I'll just scroll down through everything. Hang on, stretch goals until I get to the rewards down here. You get some of this stuff. So you get a physical copy of the book, blah, blah, and a set of specialized PDF campaign sheets. Perfect for notes, quick stats, spells, uh, NPC names, equipment. So the other thing I would caution about this project, because it isn't set up here, I mean, we know it's a comics project because it's laid out that way. It's in the comics section of Kickstarter. We're talking about it being a publication of the first book. But there's just enough information in this in here, uh, especially with your, uh, from your party's gaming table, to make people think that this is possibly a tabletop game. So uh, really really watch out for that because that's not a mistake that you want to make so let's go to uh the frequently asked questions and we've got two how do i get book one hardcover pdf just add 10 bucks to your pledge so there you go however if you had uh the hardback for 20 bucks you'll get the pdf for free uh, will we be able to get out on from last kickstarter including maps uh try folders and other goodies the answer is yes and you'll be able to do that through our back survey given about three weeks after the kickstarter close so great uh so that's populated he's done nine updates trav so this launched on January 16th. He did an opening update, which is great. He did uh, a second update that day, uh, a third one, and these, of course, pertain to stretch goals. Uh, the 18th, so basically every day for the first few days, and then the 22nd, a few days after that. Again, these are all stretch goal related. There's nothing else. Uh, here's a page to color, and thank you. First off, I want to say thank you. Support is overwhelming. I'm going to take a look at this. Uh, and... Second, I wanted to give out a coming page for just have fun with, enjoy it. Uh, just save the image, print it up, color away. More epic battles come. Plus, we're edging closer to making uh, the coloring book rally. I'm really excited about this. So, it's just a cool way for him to say thanks. Uh, and the coloring book is a go in now, pine glasses. So, that's awesome. Frequent updates, always, always awesome. Lots of different comments here. Uh, Ten-time creator, so he's he's look. Thirty-eight minutes ago from us, this uh, forty-two minutes ago, Ed asked a question. Uh, four minutes later, he got back to it, so that's great. Uh, people ask for backer badge. We got some super backers here, which are really nice. Uh, and they're talking about what's going on. Vampires been stake, and then sharing some links and stuff. I don't know how much that helps. Uh, but he's doing a lot of work here. So what's happening with Bean? So answering right away. So hey, applaud him to that. That's great. Uh, life of the party. Let's go on kick track over here. So I uh, pre-looked this up just to see to get the page loaded. Look at this curve. Isn't this curve just super nice and silky, silky smooth? Love it a lot. Daily data. 
Uh, they're trending towards 73,000, by the way, which is um, maybe not all that impossible given that there's only 10 days left, and this is updated five minutes ago. You can see day one was monstrous. They did, it looks like, 16,000 day one, then 4,000 from then on. But they've done, you know, a few hundred bucks, 1,000 bucks each day or so, like, without like, concern at all. Uh, backers have been like 20 plus per day. He's averaging 46 because he had 400 the first uh, the the first day, and lots of comments too going on. There's a few days where he's got some goose eggs on comments, but that's not a big deal. And then he lists all the updates here. Uh, it doesn't look like I saw any press. Uh, and look at this tags. Somebody's put tags here. That's fantastic. Uh, let's take a look at the projection. So on the low side. Uh, 57 on the high side, 74. Given that they have 10 days left, uh, given some of the other information that we can see here, I, I would probably say about 63 if everything kind of remains the same. So somewhere between basically their projection, 57 and 74. 63 would put it right about here. So, I mean, I don't know how safe that is for me to play it, but so be it. Let's jump back over to Kickstarter. And I guess the, the big question is now, do I back it or don't I back it? Uh, pros and cons. Video needs a lot of work. The campaign is riddled with art and text that makes me forced to go back and forth. It's really slow to read and spend time on that. Uh, it's hard. It's different than looking at like a webcomic uh, daily to get through it for just for that experience. The rewards uh, are nicely structured. They... Uh, that's a pro. So the, the campaign itself and the in the campaign video are cons. I'm not hooked based on that. The rewards are really nice. It's super easy to understand how things get better uh, and why they keep building and going beyond. He's uh, done eight successful campaigns, as we found out down here under risks and challenges, and one that failed. So that's a nice little bit of honesty. And he talks about what works and what doesn't work. And I do like that uh, he does a lot of frequent updates, as we saw from here. And what else can we point to to help make our decisions? Uh, he responded to a lot of the comments, so he's very active. It is a project that Kickstarter loves. Uh, I don't like the title or at least the, the short description because it doesn't make it clear that it's a comic book. Let's uh, look at the community and see if we can learn anything else from here. So of the uh, 1,000 backers that we got now, 730 are from the U.S., so it, uh, it definitely resonates a little bit more in North America. Although the top city is Singapore, Sydney, uh, tied for tops with Minneapolis coming in there too, uh, and then lots of other U.S. cities there. So uh, 38 new backers to Kickstarter, so a lot of the success from this are people that are on Kickstarter already or probably from his other projects. Where do we sit with this? This is a hard one. I don't, I don't love it, but I don't hate it because I think there's a lot of things that are working right here. Um, you know what? I think for this, I can't get into it for one main reason, and that's because the video didn't hook me enough to want to spend money to have this, especially when it's a daily webcomic for free. Um, I'm not a fan yet, and maybe if I get into this in the interim, then I can go back and pick up the book. The first book is still available, so there's not much exclusive. He talked about those exclusivities being available through Backerkit survey, and it's still on Kickstarter, so it's still Kickstarter exclusive, perhaps. But I, I want to back it, but I just, I'm not really compelled enough to do it. There's a lot that makes sense, but 
maybe chalk it up to personal taste, but this video is kind of what killed it for me. And uh, it was just way too slow and didn't quite pull me in here. So it would have been, there, there would have been a little bit better way to get into it. And I think hearing from uh, Travis Hansen would have helped a lot. Uh, just hear from him and sell his enthusiasm would have would have been a real difference maker in, in this case, I think, for me. So that's why I always kind of preach that. So uh, unfortunately, as much as I like it uh, and the, much of the things that they're doing right, as I pointed out, I'm going to have to officially declare this campaign busted. Uh, but I say that with the caveat that if you're into comics and you're web comics, this is probably for you. So uh, back it if you feel compelled. So busted for me possibly back it for you uh it didn't it didn't win me over if you have a project that you'd like me to highlight or take a closer look at and feature it on our episodes here at Bactor busted uh drop me a line message me at facebook.com slash back busted crowdfunding hit me up on twitter at rob mczob or you know good old-fashioned email crowdfunding spectacular 99 at gmail.com it's a pleasure guys uh we have a live seminar coming up on crowdfunding too in the end of march in london ontario check out our facebook page for more details on that until next time Keep rocking.